Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school, and how to actually be an adult. In this episode, I'm joined by Samira, who is nearing the end of an absolutely huge degree, a Bachelor of Art and Law at Monash University. We chat all about her experience completing a double degree, gaining work experience in the very competitive law industry, and all the things that she wished she knew when she was in the senior years of high school. Also note that this episode was recorded through Zoom during lockdown restrictions in Victoria. This means that the audio quality may not be the very best. Regardless, enjoy! Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. Well, let's get started. Thank you so much, Samira, for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and talk about all your high school and your uni experience. But before we do get into it, I want to start the podcast with a little three before the degree. So I'm going to ask three random questions um, before we talk about your degree. Now, don't stress, just whatever comes to mind. So firstly, were you a maths or an English person? English, 100%. Why? I just can't relate. Well, you know, I'm half Australian, half Asian. And, you know, you would have thought the maths would come through my Asian genes, but it definitely didn't. I still couldn't tell you the first thing about algebra now. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) And chocolate in the fridge or the pantry? I think, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about summer, but, you know, don't hold me to that. (laughs) Yeah, look, for me, I would say pantry just because when it's in the fridge, it gets too cold, bite into it and it just like breaks. Hard. (laughs) Yep. And lastly, coffee or tea? Coffee, 100%. I've actually got one with me now. <laughs> All right. Tell me, what's your order? What's your go-to? Um, depends how I'm feeling. Normally, I've always been, you know, a latte drinker, but lately I've gotten into the long black. So I've got a long black with me now. Oh, lovely. Well, enjoy. Um, <laughs> so you are currently in your last semester. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm in my second last year, but I've basically got about two Um, units on each of my double degrees so it's hopefully end of next year beautiful and so you're studying a bachelor of arts and law and a diploma of languages at monash university so before we do unpack your whole experience at uni i kind of want to rewind back a bit to high school so reflecting on your high school days tell us a bit about your high school experience uh, so I did the IB at Kerry and um, I'd come in, I'd moved to Kerry in year 10 after being at PLC um, for basically my whole life. Wow. How did you find that move during high school? Yeah, so I moved at the end of year nine from an all-girls private school to a co-ed private school, um, sort of in a similar area. And the biggest change for me was, you know, when you spend 13 years at an all-girls school, it's very hard to know how to talk to boys. That was probably my biggest, the biggest awakening for me. Um, But the other change for me was that my old school was very academic focused, whereas Kerry is much more on the social and extracurricular activities. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I guess I can relate as well because I also went to a girls' school from year seven and eight, and then I moved to a co-ed independent school as well. And what you said with talking to boys or even just like having them in your class, I was like, (laughs) what's going on? How do I talk? And I honestly, yeah, it was the best thing for me now, I guess. 
Yeah, looking back, I mean, life is not single sex. So, you know, that's the biggest um, motivator for anyone that's thinking of making the move. But I do remember my first ever maths class, incidentally, and I got kicked out for laughing too much because I was talking to probably the first boy in a class that I'd ever spoken to. (laughs) So, you know, you have to adapt. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. You mentioned you did IB. Now, for those who don't know, IB is an alternative to VCE. Could you just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the IB is short for the International Baccalaureate and it's um, something that you can do instead of VCE or, you know, the state equivalents in Australia. The thing about the IB is that it's recognised around the world and it is um, a lot less, a lot less people do the IB. But if you're someone that really wants to study internationally, you know, if you want to go to the US or the UK, um, it's probably the best option um, as opposed to a VCE. And the main difference is that it's much more research focused. You're, you don't have SACs. I think they're called SACs. That's all right. Um, yep. 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 And there's no sort of class ranking um, in that in for your classes. And you do extracurricular. So you do a lot of social and community service and you end up writing a mini thesis as well. So it's a really good taster to university in a way. So you're really, really prepared when you finish year 12. The other thing as well is your whatever, however you perform in year 11, it doesn't affect your year 12 grade. So you're pretty much entirely marked on your exams. So that can be daunting for some people. Yeah, I can understand, definitely. Um, what subject did you pick? Yeah, so I, well, the IB makes you choose, you know, one from each discipline. So you do an English, you do a maths, you do a second language. So for me, that was Indonesian because of my background and you do a humanities and I ended up doing, oh, and you also do a science. So I did biology, psychology and business management, ironically. And if you're lucky, your school might offer the equivalent to VCE legal studies Um, So my school didn't offer that. We didn't have enough students that were interested in the subject. But looking back, I don't think it made a big difference on, you know, my sort of career trajectory. Cool. Yeah, totally fair enough. And now you did mention aspirations for uni. Was law and considering Bachelor of Arts and law double degree, was that something you had your heart set on at school? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I think I'm really different to a lot of people in that I knew when I was like 14 that I wanted to do law. (laughs) Um, So uh, I was really lucky because my dad does work at Melbourne Law School. So I used to spend my school holidays, you know, running around the law library, which is, you know, in hindsight, probably a bit sad. Um, But I was sort of always surrounded by his friends who were all in the similar circles and that kind of thing. And then I did some work experience with a barrister who's um, now a judge. And he basically, when I was 14, exposed me to like this entire sort of world that I didn't know that much about. And from then on, I sort of knew that I wanted to go into the law. And so when I got to uni, it was really just, okay, what do I do with it now? Wow, that's incredible. And so was that work experience through school, like in year 10 or year nine, was that? Yeah, so it's really interesting. I think most schools in Victoria get students to do, you know, one week of work experience in like year 10 or something. That was something my old school did. Carry was sort of an optional thing to do, but I knew that I'd always wanted to do it. So um, I did it alongside my cousin who um, did some work experience with a different barrister. And it was really fun. We got to do it together, you know, catch up for lunch and that kind of thing. Um, but I would definitely recommend it to anyone because you also get a bit of a taster into what the, the world in whatever career you're looking at is like. So you kind of get, if you think, if you're unsure, definitely do it. 
So for someone or for a student who possibly may be in year nine or year 10, how do they find that opportunity? Do you just email say, hey, I want to do work experience? Do you have to know someone? How does it work? Yeah, you know what? I think it's a little bit of both. I was really lucky because obviously my dad had that connection already. So I sort of took advantage of that. But I know that the Victorian Bar, which is where all the barristers um, work at, they have developed recently a really good Uh, barrister shadowing program and you sort of apply as a school student and you do do that via email and um, from there they sort of pair you up with someone and then you just get started but I think you know during COVID it's obviously been difficult to sort of do that and I think there are um, if you're wanting to know you're probably going to have more chance looking at a barrister than you are with a solicitor. Yeah definitely well that is such great advice thank you so much. Um, Now for your course, how did you choose Monash and what made you choose a double degree as well? Yeah, actually, so the reason I chose a double degree is because I really enjoyed English Lit and um, I've always been a bit of a nerd. I've always been a bit of a reader and I come from a family that really values being um, an open, having an open mindset. So I wanted to still keep learning about, you know, international relations and what's going on in the world. So that was my motivator for that. But um, I ended up choosing Monash sort of by default. So I'd always thought that I could do law at Melbourne. And while you can, it's only postgraduate. So you have to sort of do a course before then. And I was really scared that if I did something else, I wouldn't end up doing what I ultimately wanted to do. So that's a really big reason that most people end up defaulting to Monash, who has a really great undergrad law degree program. And the reason why that's probably really important in Australia is that you don't need a postgraduate degree to practice law, whereas a lot of other jurisdictions, like especially the US, you've got to go into something else and then do law after that. Uh, yeah, totally makes sense. So it's kind of like you're going to go in, do it, get out. You don't need to do any further study, any extra courses, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, in hindsight, it does take the same amount of time if you do a double degree um, as your undergraduate. But I think it's really just about how much you want it. Definitely. So was it five years? Yeah. So with the Monash double degree with law, most people do five and a half to six years, but you can do it in five years. And I know some people that have. Um, I initially set out to do get it all over with in five years, but it's looking more like six. Oh, and you know what? That happens. Life gets in the way. We want to underload. We want to travel. It's so (laughs) normal. Exactly. And, you know, I would something I'd recommend as well when you start looking at these courses is if you do want to travel, choose a university that really gives you the options to do that. Um, That's something that I wish I'd taken more advantage of. Now, did you see any like careers counsellors or school counsellors at school, open days? Did you go through all that process? Yeah. So I actually didn't go to any open days because I was so jam-packed with studying for my year 12. But um, I also am not very, I, I sort of knew that there was Monash was the best undergrad law school. So I knew that that was where I was going to be. But in terms of because I'd done the IB, I was still looking at traveling overseas to study. And that's something else I'd really recommend if you have your heart set on a particular, you know, course is try and find someone that's done it and, you know, sort of see them as a mentor, really develop that relationship. So true. And let's just say, had you not gotten in, did you have a backup option, perhaps maybe a different uni? What was your game plan? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in terms of um, having a backup uni, I think I had basically 
all the Victorian, all the Australian universities that do law. I actually got an early offer to do straight law at ANU before I got my IB result, which was really great. Yeah. So that was really awesome. And, you know, they all send you t-shirts and that kind of thing, which is really fun. They all try to market you. Um, But I knew I didn't want to be in Canberra and I sort of had my heart set on, on Monash. But my other preferences were, you know, Deakin, um, they have a really great program as well. But my backup course was probably arts and then try and get into a postgraduate law uh, degree. Yeah, cool. Very common for people to do that. And you know, what? at the end of the day, even if you don't get in, like you said, so many doors, so many options to, to do it. Uh, I might just also add, there's also pathway courses. So you can do a different degree at the same uni and still sort of get into what you want ultimately. That is very true. So like, are you saying take first year law subjects or like those base and then transfer over? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So you could do like one year of first year law at Deakin and then you can apply to transfer to Monash if you get the grades or you can do arts at Monash for a year and then transfer into law. So there's lots of options and you all end up in the same place at the end of the day. That's so true. And it's so important not to get hung up on that ATAR or, you know, the Mm. IB score, because if you want to do something, you can do it. If you set your mind to it, there's always a back door. You can get there. Yeah, absolutely. And did you ever consider taking a gap year? I absolutely did. And, you know, my, my dad had done a gap year when he was back at uni and he recommended it to me so, so, so highly. But I think because I just knew what I wanted to do, I just wanted to get started. And I was like, you know, I can always take six months off from uni and travel then. Um, So I was planning to do my six months of travel this year and then COVID hit. So I would recommend if you're thinking of a gap year, just take it, do it while you can. That's so true. And you know what, even if it's not a gap year exactly, uni gives you so much holidays and you probably don't realize, but it's not like school holidays where you have two weeks. Sometimes you can get like six or eight weeks, which that's a whole Europe trip. You You could go anywhere. It is, you know, that winter break when all you want to do is get out of Melbourne, basically everybody at uni does. I think the whole of Melbourne is in Europe somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I think something Monash does really well is that um, they really are promoting right now travel in Asia and they give you a lot of uh, funding and there's a lot of scholarships um, to go on exchange or do like a short program. So really ask, um, ask your uni and find out as much information as you can about those opportunities. That is definitely worth knowing. Thank you. Now let's rewind a bit to your first day back of uni or really maybe like the first year. What was your transition like from high school to uni student? I look back and I internally cringe at my first day. It was, I think it was something like 40 degrees and we were stuck in this terrible, like outdated lecture hall, listening to the dean of the law school drone on for about 2000 years. And I think I knew one or two people in the lecture hall and I looked around me and I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Who are these people? What's going on? There's a lot of, I have no idea what's going on. And they call it orientation day, but you know what? Even in six months, you still don't know where everything is. (laughs) But I actually met people on that day that I'm still friends with now. And they're part of my little uni group. That's incredible. Yeah, it's really, really great. And I've actually, they ended up being people that I sort of knew in the past, but didn't really get, have the time to get to know. So I think uni is really, really great in that way. You sort of create friendships over what you're studying and then you sort of just keep going. And it's really exciting to watch all those people that you met on your orientation week and what they've achieved after that. That's incredible. So coming from school, did anyone do the same course as you? 
Yeah, so from Carrie, I know a few people did um, and sometimes, and I think, you know, what, depending on if they took a gap year or worked or whatever, we were all sort of at different stages, but there are even people a few years above me um, that ended up in the same year as me and it was great to sort of reconnect because I think once you move away from high school, any opportunity to, to talk about, you know, the quad, the cafeteria, like any a teacher, it's sort of, it's really nice to go sort of go back in time and look at that. And I guess at uni, they really drill in like networking, you know, establish your network, branch out, all that. Um, and I know for someone in high school, if you were to hear of this work network, you'd be like, what, <laughs> what on earth is that? But you'll find out soon. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the networking thing, you never, you don't even get a, get the hang of it even when you're you know actually working and I don't know if maybe um that's something that Melbourne really puts a lot of emphasis on um but I know at Monash the whole networking thing really doesn't start to click until you're almost about to graduate and you start getting those emails like what what do you do next like there's further options to study but networking is um I think at a young age when you're in school I think it's about developing a mentorship relationship and keeping friends with people with similar interests but then when you get to uni then it's about you know branching out and getting out of your comfort zone and really putting in that networking um, into your career path and ambition. I completely agree and you know what it could take the form of you know walking into a lecture you have no idea who's there and just approaching someone that's sitting by themselves and saying hey what do you study oh you're doing accounting like me oh oh you have that tutor oh I had them as well you know just starting a bit of convo just to get yourself you know, out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And that's something I wish that I'd, you know, been much more brave about in my first year, because I'm not sure about other degrees, but I know in law, there's sort of your core units and in in first year and second year, you all sort of go through the steps together. So you'd see the same people. And I'd always been a bit shy and a bit, I was not like extroverted at all in terms of people that I didn't know. So I found that really challenging. And looking back, I wish I just, you know, took the first step and said hello because some people now in terms of what they've achieved or in terms of um you know other things that they've done and you've crossed paths it's sort of nice to look back and you know if you had been friends what you could have done definitely would you say the whole experience of orientation and your course and the people was it easy to make friends or or maybe if it wasn't what I know you kind of touched on it but any advice for people starting uni who may not have anyone they know at all Yeah, I think you definitely, the first thing I, in terms of advice, the first thing I would do is just, you know, put on a smile and be brave and just don't be afraid to talk to people because you sort of go through that in high school. And I think at uni, that's the time to really, if you haven't already, push yourself um, and you'll find that you are much more confident when it comes time to apply for jobs or, you know, actually go to those networking events. So it's really, really important, I think, to just take that step. And I wish I'd done it a lot sooner. Monash did a really great job in our orientation week in terms of we had barbecues, we got to do, we were organizing to groups and had like an older student take us around and do activities. And that's really, it seems like a bit of a drain for me. And I was sort of like, I hate these stupid activities, these icebreakers. But, you know, in hindsight, that's the time to really make friends with everybody, just say hello and just get really, really involved. I think the best way to sort of make friends is just to be involved, like sign up to a bunch of societies. And if you hate all of them except one, then that's totally fine. But I think the biggest thing in first year is just to be involved because the older you get and the more advanced you get through your degree, the less time you have for that kind of thing. So, um, and it's such a great way to meet other people and sort of broaden your network. So true. Very wise. Um, I can remember as well my first day, I 
knew a few people in my course, but not, not very. And I guess I did commerce and I know you did law. So there's hundreds, maybe even thousands. Hundreds. Of, yeah. <laughs> like thousands of students. I'd say maybe I think in mine, it was like 2000. It was ridiculous. So there's so many people feeling like you are. Exactly. It's really, really daunting as well. If you're not, you know, if you weren't a public speaker or you weren't, you know, naturally a brave person, it's really, really daunting. Um, and I think, I think in arts, it's a bit easier because you can sort of find little groups of people with like interests, but with your sort of more standard degrees, like I hear even in science, it's like one enormous lecture theater and a thousand people in it. I think I had one lecture with people sitting on the ground and, you know, even then you can make friends with people. Yeah, (laughs) so true. And how about content subject wise? Was there any subject, I know you did the IB, but any subject in the IB that prepared you for uni or maybe that was similar content? Yeah, absolutely. And I might also speak to some other people's experience that I've heard about just because mine is a little bit different. Um, But I found that doing subjects like international studies or English lit was really important for me in developing the written skills that I needed for my assignments um, through the IB. And even just the research skills and, you know, being able to use Turnitin, all of that kind of stuff is really, really important. It's like super transferable, goes to any degree um, that you do really. So I would not underestimate your sort of core English lit sort of subjects. Yeah, for sure. Now, structure of school, we've we've done it for almost 15 years by the time we get to year 12. You know, we get there, it's 8.30, we've got period one, period two, recess, but uni is a little bit different. How was the structure of your course? How many days were you in a week? Tutorials, lectures, seminars, the list goes on. What was it like? Yeah, I think for all of my core law subjects, I have, and as for all of my subjects in arts, I've always had two lectures about one to one and a half hours each a week. And then I also had a tute for those subjects. I went for an hour. So I know at Monash and Melbourne, you sort of have to attend those tutes. It's a compulsory thing. Um, But more and more recently, you actually get marked on your, how much you participate in them. So you actually do sort of have to do a bit of preparation beforehand But a lot of, for my course, for law especially, it's a lot and a lot of reading and that's sort of where all your hours go into. And um, so for me, I find a lot of time I'm in class maybe three days a week and then I'm studying pretty much every other day doing my assignments. But so you actually in law don't have that many contact hours compared to sort of the vocational courses like nursing, even science, I think there's a lot, has a lot more contact hours because you've got the labs. So law is really, really great in that respect. And you said reading, what are we reading? Cases, articles, textbooks? Yeah. So for your course, actually pretty much every subject, you get an enormous textbook prescribed, (laughs) which it does not come cheaply. I might add, Um, definitely get on the textbook funding or the secondhand bookstores. They will save your life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in, in my first year, you also got sort of readers that the chief examiner, so your, your teacher would put together and they're sort of articles and that kind of thing. And then the more you go into your degree, um, you sort of have to source them yourself. But a lot of my time is spent reading court cases or decisions that have been decided, you know, English decisions from the 1800s or, you know, a Victorian case decided last year. So um, that is really, really hard to get your head around when you're in first year, especially because you definitely don't do that at high school. (laughs) Um, But I think ultimately 
if you can, a lot of people, you kind of have two people at uni, the people that follow the readings and the course religiously have beautiful notes. And then you have people like my friend who get the highest scores possible with the most minimal amount of work. (laughs) So it just sort of depends on your study type as well. Well, that's the absolute dream. Get the highest marks with the minimal work. Like I would love that. It's certainly not the case for me, but. (laughs) No, and we all hate her. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, I know. I wish one day maybe. Um, now you mentioned all these pretty exciting law subjects, which for me, I'm not interested, but I know some people would be so excited, but are there any like fun electives or things that you can do outside law or arts that I don't know, is it like African drumming or choir or sport and rec or I don't know anything that you could do? Yeah, absolutely. When I was in first year uni, I joined like the Monash Uni Netball Club. And I actually, that was really, really fun because it was just like, you can do something that's sort of kind of like high school. Like you always had your sports that you did as a team and that you did on Saturdays, you know, that kind of thing. So it was nice to sort of have that drilled into my uni routine. And I got to make more friends that way. And I actually bumped into another netballer that I met through all my years of netballing when I was in school. Um, I haven't been involved in terms of like performing arts or anything like that, but I know they definitely go on. And I know Monash has a really big range of those sort of extracurriculars. But something that the uni does really well is that it really encourages student organized societies and associations. And they get they do get support from the university itself as well. And some of them are, you know, if you're interested in politics, but you're not studying it, you can still join and you meet like-minded people and you get to do some fun comps. Um, So there's quite a range of things you can do and they have a really big sport program. I think, I don't know, I, you know, I might be saying this wrong. I think it's called uni sport. I was was just going to say it. (laughs) What happens is you verse all the other unis and there's like a big trip to the Gold Coast or something. And, you know, if you, there's like uni dance and uni cheer, and if you want to play uni football or touch something like that. But there's something else um, that is really, really good and that you should definitely do in your orientation week, which is the camps for your faculty or whatever. They're usually run by like the student associations. So Monash Law Student Society, they run a massive camp at the start of the academic year. And it's actually before O week, I think. And then you, you go and it's, you know, I don't even want to know what happens at those camps, but I have heard some really amazing stories, but it's also like super, super fun. Um, and it's, I think it's actually really important to do because you get to meet more of your cohort as well. Definitely. Now, I just want to reiterate for those listening, we're not talking camping with like pitch a tent and campfire. I think it's in, <laughs> I think it's in cabins and you do like um, teamwork games, bonding. Yes, there is. But what's really fun, I know from the law camp is they go, you all jump on a bus and you all go away somewhere in the country. But I actually hear you lose cell reception, which is one of the reasons why I didn't go. But um, it's super, super fun. Everyone absolutely loves it. And you get to meet like older year law students as well. So if you do get lost, you know, when you're navigating first year, you can always talk to them. So it's really good to sort of meet like a buddy in a way. Very true. I actually did go on um, that camp. So I did, like I said, Bachelor of Commerce, but it was so weird. I went on science camp. I I had, I didn't even do science. So why did I go on <laughs> science camp? It was so weird. Um, I guess because I had two of my friends that went on. So I was right. like, oh, I'll join. But yes, again, exactly that experience. Like it just like the weekend went like that. It was so much fun. And I met so many people. Now at the start, we mentioned your diploma of languages. What is that? And when I hear diploma, like how does that relate to the undergrad degree? Yeah, 
this is a bit of a funny story for me. So I did Indonesian all through my um, high school and then I got to uni and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. So I didn't do it for about four years. And then I picked it up last year and then I started being more involved in like Australia, Indonesia politics. And so I thought, you know, may as well add on a language to my studies. Um, so what it is, it actually stands alone separately from any of your bachelor degrees or your undergraduate stuff. It stands alone to that, but you can get some credit from it from my arts degree. So some of my subjects transferred along to that. But what it is, is you sort of have like your core language units and then you get a bunch of fun artsy electives. Um, but it's sort of a one year course that you do and it's super low maintenance. Um, and it just means you get another sort of certification when you graduate. That's awesome. And you know what, why not? Since you've done it for so many years in high school, add it on as like just a couple of extra electives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you are doing something like commerce, I don't even know, med, whatever. If you have like a really intense course, it's great to have a dip playing on the side just to sort of like actually enjoy uni a little bit. <laughs> and I guess it adds to your resume. So if you're going for a job or even if you go for a job like overseas, interstate, you've got this behind you so that, you know, you might be talking to clients that are Indonesian. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually worked in a migration law firm and some of our clients were from Indonesia or Malaysia. And because I had that Indonesian language behind me, I was sort of able to bring that to the table and it made me more valuable to my employer. And now sort of two years on, I'm applying for some graduate positions and sort of um, more formal internships with some big law firms. And they're all super interested in what I'm doing outside of the law, whether that's my language um, my travel, all of that is all sort of counted in and they love to see you as a whole person. So I definitely recommend it. And um, especially because it's so low maintenance. Very true. Now, what about other uni experiences? And like, let's just pretend it's not a COVID environment, but travel opportunities interstate or overseas. And did you get involved in any? Yeah, absolutely. So Monash has, in terms of interstate, not so much. Um, you do have the option of getting, applying for like course transfer if you want to do like one unit and another uni. Um, but in terms of travel, a lot of it was international. Um, Monash has a really good program in Malaysia where you can study law units. They also have their own campus in Prato, which is near Florence in Italy. And that is a very, very popular program um, for all Monash degrees, really. A lot of people end up going there in a big group of friends. And it's just like the fun, a fun way to do, get rid of some electives on your degree. Um, for me, I haven't gone on exchange yet. I was meant to go to Indonesia for six months. Um, and you get what's called like the New Colombo Plan funding, which is straight from the Australian government. And um, that's, Basically, everybody gets this grant and you get to go over, study, and um, there are even opportunities to do international internships in, in, the, in legal. That's fantastic. It's a shame, though, that you couldn't get a chance to go over due to COVID and all the travel restrictions, but maybe in the future... Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone's starting to realise how accessible, you know, work can be through Zoom, you know, virtually. So I, I'm seeing a lot of virtual internships pop up. And, you know, the benefit is you can go do a virtual internship internationally right from your own bedroom. So that's something that's really going to start changing, I think. That's so true. And it actually gives students and universities more of an opportunity to do that and to, you know, kind of get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, definitely. Now, with law, 
I know they're called internships. Does the uni kind of help provide you take that next step maybe in your second or third year? Do you find those yourself? How do you go about getting that extra experience? Yeah, absolutely. There's sort of three ways. So I'll sort of touch on each as briefly as I can. So the first way is at Monash, we have what's called a clinical guarantee. And what that means is that you, every law student has the option to apply for a placement with a law firm or with Monash in-house clinics. So they're community legal centers. So you get to work on real cases um, for real people and really have an, you can see yourself having an impact directly. But um, so I did that and I did the anti-death penalty clinic, which meant that I was able to work with people overseas for example, Indonesian legal aid representing Australian or, you know, foreign nationals. So that's a really amazing experience. The other way that you can do it is by um, basically just building your own network and reaching out to lawyers that you really admire. And, you know, for me, it started a lot of the time with just a coffee. And then now I'm working for barristers um, and I also work in a law firm. And what that means is that you're building your own uh, work experience, not in reliance on Monash. And that's something that I think really stands out on your degree. And the more you put yourself out there, the more those opportunities will come. Um, But that's taken me years to build up. And it's something I wish I'd started super, super early because you sort of get towards the end of your degree and there's so much competition for a limited number of jobs. And the third way is what's called the clerkship. So what that is, is a four-week internship that you do in in, in a commercial law firm and you have it's a very rigorous pro application process and at the end of it if you're lucky to get a clerkship then you're sort of automatically in the graduate pool for that law firm so that's a one sort of um, way to get a bit more certainty about your career path after you graduate but that is sort of done independently of monash okay cool so for example you would look on say job websites or um, maybe like the uni job board or whatever it's called online and these companies would post and then you would apply in your own time. Um, I've heard the like, what do you call it? The interview process is so intense. Like you've got group interview and then phone interview and then this and then that. Is that is that right? Did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually in the middle of that process now. (laughs) And you know what, it's super, super daunting. And the university doesn't really tell you much about it. But our Law Student Society does a fantastic job supporting students through this process. So that's just another reason to get involved in your um, relevant student association. They have a careers podcast, a bunch of webinars, which would have normally been networking events. Um, So you get to meet lawyers in the firms that you're applying for. But what it is, is it's, you know, all the law firms open on one date, the jobs, and then you apply with the cover letter, your CV, all of that stuff. And usually you have to do a bunch of short answer questions, even some psychometric testing. You go through a very, very rigorous interview process. And they're all sort of on at the same time, at the same time as your mid-sems. And then, you know, at the end of this month, it's actually next Wednesday, all the offers come out at 10 a.m. And I tell you what, I have never been more grateful for the lockdown (laughs) because it's really great to just do it independently because you are in competition with your peers as well. Of course. Well, best of luck um, (laughs) for that as well. Now, just want to reiterate that you don't have to do internships. You don't have to do these clerkships, of course, but it would be beneficial for your future career to get a job, like you said, to get a grad role or grad job, which is like a job first year out of uni. Now, 
in order to get those, you did talk about networking and we did mention that um, a bit before, but would you have any advice maybe how someone in first year can kind of start that journey early? I know you said you regretted starting a bit late. Yeah, that's such a great question. I wish people talked about this more because I just feel like when people start talking about networking, it's usually when you're already finished your degree, but networking is so, so important when you're still studying. So in your first year, the sort of the first thing I would do is just make sure that you've got some friends in your year level, but also branch out to people in the older year levels. A lot of the part-time or casual jobs that pop up in the industry for uni students is all by word of mouth. So for example, I work as an, a research assistant for a, an academic at Monash Law School. And she actually asked me, she goes, look, I have another position opening up. Who would you recommend? And so it's actually up to me to choose out of my friends, who would I recommend? And so it's funny how it's a bit sad, but um, it's not always merit-based. It is completely network. Um, And I think that's true for a lot of other industries. So definitely try to make friends with as many people as you want, but you don't have to be artificial about it. You can sort of actually have friendships with these people and really develop a network in that way. But I think the more you progress and once you've gotten a few of those opportunities, I think that's when you start to sort of cold call and reach out to academics, lawyers, whoever it is that you admire, especially through, I would say, LinkedIn is the biggest platform for this. Um, I think when you're a uni student, you've got a LinkedIn profile, you sort of have a bit more credibility and you'd you'd be surprised by how many people actually really want to take time out of their day to help you and speak to you or if they can't help you, put you in touch with someone who can. So that's the biggest Um, thing that's been really important for me and the other thing I'd recommend is go to as many uni events that pop up in terms of you know the parties the end of exams parties are always super fun but I'm also talking about things that your society organizes because they're really great great ways to meet people that are similarly interested in progressing their career. Now you talked about parties and now you're talking about networking events what's I know I know the difference, but for those listening, they might not. Are you talking they would organise, say, like a network and you you go, like, what do you do? What do you do at these, like, events that are not the party events? Yes, yes. So definitely don't confuse your party events <laughs> with your networking events. That could go very badly. Um, but the networking events are sort of two types. The first is sort of um, a mentoring program with a sort of induction night. And what that means is you get paired with an older student or a first year lawyer or something, and you meet them for the first night at um, a bar and there's people from the university society there. And you get, obviously you get to have some drinks and that kind of thing and some biscuits and whatever, but um, it's really about just sort of meeting the person face to face, getting to know each other's interests, um, that kind of thing. So there's still a degree of professionalism there. And the other type of networking event is, for example, there'll be sort of like a a one hour session where people will be sort of panelists and they'll talk to you about their experience. And, you know, the host, who's usually someone from your society, they'll ask a bunch of questions. And then afterwards, it's sort of a similar thing again, like your drinks and like a bit of more biscuits and cheese. Um, And you get to sort of what happens is all these students basically hoard around this one lawyer or one academic um, and you get to actually meet them talk to them and chat but at the same time you probably meet some of your peers as well so um, those events are obviously a bit more difficult virtually I think how it's done now is there'll be one big zoom event and then breakout rooms Um, but they're really really good ways to sort of put yourself out there and start building a network that's so true and you know what you mentioned zoom 
for those who might be nervous or shy and not want to go to a physical event, I know that we can't actually go to a physical event in Melbourne right now, but Zoom's a great way to have your camera off, have your mic off and kind of still be involved and still listen to say what the panelists have to say. Maybe you get some um, industry insight. So that might be a really good first step if the Zoom does continue next year. Definitely put yourself forward and go for it. Yeah, I would totally agree. And something else that you can do through the Zooms is that, you know, it's really daunting in person when you don't have a friend with you at some of these events, especially when you're younger. But when you're on the Zoom, it's like everyone's in the same boat and there's like so much less pressure. And usually it's not super formal as well. Like you don't have to worry about, you know, do I wear heels to this event with my like suit? Um, I know I have problems wearing heels in the city, but that's something that I've really loved about working from home. And you can sign up to so many of these events. Um, and then, you know, it's, you don't have that travel, um, and you can do it all from home, which makes it so much easier. Now you did mention working. What other type of work did you do during uni? Was it like casual work, part-time? How did it kind of fit into your study? What's too much? What's too little? Yeah. I might just give you like a bit of a narrative about how I sort of progressed since first year. Go for it. Um, Great. So in my first year, I was working in Leo supermarket in Camberwell. And then from there, I ended up going into retail, worked full-time at Tommy Hilfiger. And I ended up um, getting trained in management and I was got some management opportunities at Doncaster, but I ultimately was like, no, I'm actually trying, I'm studying law. So I should probably do something relevant to that. So I spent about probably a year doing a thousand job applications for the lowest level legal jobs. And I got probably 99 rejections out of a hundred applications that I put in. Wow. So, you know, definitely be prepared for rejection. That's totally normal. And it's not a reflection of you. It's usually just a reflection of what the organization wants. So that was really, um, really put me off for a while. And then I got an opportunity to do um, one month of an unpaid internship at a migration firm. And something that you probably will have to deal with when you're just starting out is the fact that you'll probably have to do something like that that's unpaid. And so I did that for one month and then I ended up getting a paid position as a policy consultant. So I was just advising, you know, potential applicants wanting a visa in Australia about their options. Um, So that was a really good opportunity to really deal with people front on um, and it's really got me out of my comfort zone which made me a much stronger person um, much more confident as well and then from there once I sort of had my foot in the door in the industry I was able to get a job in litigation so that's basically going to court court cases helping out with preparing court cases so I got that job and I'm still there two years on and that's in a commercial law firm and um, it's a very young a very small Uh, law firm in the city but um, what's really great is that my boss has all these connections with so many so many people so I'm constantly meeting people and expanding my professional network that way but you know while I've been working two years at the firm I've also picked up a whole bunch of ad hoc legal jobs so one of them is doing research assistance for academics at Monash but I've also assisted barristers so I'm currently assisting a very senior barrister at the Vic Bar with a trial at the moment. And that's sort of um, whenever he needs help, I'll just help out. So it's very casual ad hoc. And um, I've also done some unpaid volunteer work in um, anti-death penalty, in the anti-death penalty area. So I get to work with lawyers, legal aid, uh, barristers. So that's a really good way to sort of just branch out some more. 
Wow. And you know what? I have to comment on your narrative. It was so <laughs> inspiring because look, you start at Leo's, then you go into retail. And you know what? In first year uni, you are not expected to have the career or even like some awesome part-time gig at a at a maybe like the receptionist at a law firm or the assistant. Like it's just not going to happen in your first year. So it's totally normal to I'm not going to say start at the bottom, but work your way up, expand, do a bit of volunteering. And now look, you're ready to graduate and you've got like a wealth of experience that, you know, going into your next step in your career, you'll be able to draw on, okay, when you managed that Tommy Hilfiger, when you, you know, assisted for the academic in the law firm. No, not the law firm, in their law research. That's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you know, what's really important is that whatever work experience you do have, especially at the start of your degree, you build skills that are really really important when you're applying for graduate jobs like talking to people is the biggest skill that people are looking for whether it's in your first graduate job or in your you've been 10 years in whatever profession that's something that is always really really valuable so I think don't don't be too hard on yourself if it takes you a while to get your foot in the door that's totally normal for most people um the biggest way to sort of progress in those early years is just to put yourself out there and really come to the realization that you are totally on your own in this. Um, if you have a connection, then that's fantastic and totally utilize that, you know, to the extent that's mo- that's appropriate. But you, I think the hardest thing for me was realizing how alone you are in that and how much you have to work to get there, um, to get to where you want to be. It's kind of like you pave your own path. So everyone's on their own journey. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that sort of flows from that is, being really conscious of who you are and who your the people around you are because your pathways are completely different. So there's really, really no use comparing yourself to everybody that's around you. I think that's something that's really hard, especially around, you know, the day that ATAR, your ATAR comes out, um, what you're wearing on orientation week and, you know, what everyone gets up to after then. It's really hard not to compare yourself. And I, I still find myself doing that now. But I think if you can really deal with that front on, you'll be a lot more happy and a lot more satisfied with what you have achieved. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. So true. (laughs) Now, so you're at the end of your degree. What are the next steps to become a lawyer and to practice? Yes, this is something that I took me a long time to learn and to figure out. So once you get a law degree, you're not automatically a lawyer. You have to do what's called uh, practical legal training And that's basically one year um, working in a law firm and doing some additional short-term courses, which are all practical. Um, And they're all about what a lawyer actually does in everyday life. And that includes legal work, but also practice management, like dealing with money, um, invoices, all of that kind of stuff um, that you don't get taught in law school. And sort of when you finish that, then you get to apply to the Supreme Court of Victoria for admission to practice as a lawyer. And that's, um, that, that usually takes about six months because you've got to prepare all this documentation um, and you have to have an, a Victorian lo- lawyer who uh, basically recommends you to the court um, and says they're fit and proper to be a lawyer. Um, that's usually someone from your graduate law firm, for example. Um, but I do know that um, my friends who have parents that have been lawyers, they've been really, really keen to do that. And what happens is you go down to the Supreme Court and they get robed up in their, in their basically lawyer, barristers have to wear a long black robe, kind of looks like academic gown. Um, and they get to stand up in court and there's a little oath that you have to say. And it's all really, really exciting. It's a big day. Um, but I have to say it's very expensive. So if you can get a job in a law firm, they usually cover the cost. 
Wow. I had no idea. Well, there you go. (laughs) So some people would have a law degree and not go through that process so they can't practice. Yeah, exactly. Um, The people that tend to do that are people that want to go in um, into politics, um, diplomacy, want to do further study. Um, A lot of the time people become basically assistants to some judges in the courts and so they don't um, get admitted as lawyers until after they've done that. Um, So, yeah, everyone has, like I said earlier, everyone has a different path. But um, for me, I know that I want to practice, so that's something I'll sort of be going along that more conventional path. Very true. And again, like at the end of the law degree, you have so many options. Like I had no idea that you didn't have to go through that process. You could always do it at a later stage. So that's so insightful. Thank you. Yeah, you absolutely can. And, you know, if you move to another jurisdiction, there's different requirements Um, across Australia. I think it's pretty similar. But for example, if you want to go to the US, lawyers over there are both solicitors and barristers. So that means that they can work in a law firm, but also speak to the judge in court. And that's a totally different process altogether. So really, if you know where you want to be, think ahead about those kinds of requirements. Awesome. And have you ever considered doing more study after uni? Yes, absolutely. And I think maybe this is because I'm such a nerd, but (laughs) that's um, all right. (laughs) I've always, um, you know, as a research assistant, um, and I've always had been really, really good at research and and writing. So I've always had sort of ambitions to do a master's or um, a PhD, but I'd really love to do them overseas after studying for so long in Australia. Definitely. And I think it's just like, you might not jump into that straight away best to get some work experience and maybe life experience as well. So that when you do go and do that, it's like you've got more to bring to the table, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And something I've noticed about um, applying for masters in law, what's called an LLM, the the universities usually prefer people that have life experience and work experience, as you said, um, because it brings a level of sophistication that you just don't have when you're an undergraduate. Um, So definitely, um, the, main, most, the main reason people tend to do a PhD in Australia is if they want to go into teaching or academia. Fair enough. So if you do your master's in law, LLM, is that whatever it's called? Yes. <laughs> what, does, what does that, why would someone do that? Is it, do you get a better job? Do you get more pay? What does it mean? Yeah. So in Australia and from the, the lawyers that I do know that have ended up doing an LLM, it's always been, you know, they're still considered young at the firm. So they're still quite a junior level. And it's usually just once they've practiced for a bit, they sort of know what area they really are interested in. And you sort of take yourself professionally to the next level when you have a degree that's in a specialization. So for example, I know one person, they worked in the IP intellectual property practice at this law firm and they knew all the barristers and they sort of got as much as they could out of the firm um, at the level they were at. So then they did an LLM specialized in intellectual property in a specific area. And then they sort of brought back that expertise and now they get courage. They are responsible for some of the more important matters and more important clients. So, um, and it's also a leeway into a a pathway to do a PhD as well. If you want to do that when you're, um, you know, in a few more years. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Now, Samira, I totally forgot to ask you what part or what area of law are you most interested? I know there's like commercial law or business law, family law. What's your what's your jam? Yeah, this is so crazy because I started law school thinking I'm going to be, you know, the next Amal Clooney. I'm going to be international law, human rights law. I yeah. really love Amal Clooney, by the way. But, you know, I did human rights at 
in my arts degree and I just did not enjoy it one bit. I mean, it just wasn't for me. And then I ended up starting, as I mentioned earlier, two days a week at this commercial firm in court-based work. And I loved it. I loved going to court. I loved meeting barristers, working with clients. So I sort of found my area, which is basically dispute resolution. So that's anything from going to court to mediations, um, basically just resolving disputes between people. And that's quite commercial um, in, in practice. And I, in terms of my pro bono work, that's always really been in the anti-death penalty space. So that's, you know, drafting, you know, publications or, you know, working on cases in other countries. So that's kind of where I found myself at at the moment. Cool. And if you were to go down that track and then say years later, you're like, no, I'm really interested in family law. Can you switch and change? You know what? It's, you know, technically you can totally change, but it's really, really hard depending on how far into your career you are, especially, especially in law, because you, everything that you learn is so specific to what you're practicing. And because the law is constantly changing, you're always developing a body of knowledge. So once you have a big, you know, specialization, it's super, super hard to then change, especially from something so drastic as commercial to family or commercial to criminal, it's quite hard to do. But one place that does do this really well in terms of merging different areas of law is the Victorian Government Solicitor's Office and some of the other, um, you know, branches of government that advise people that make the decisions in government. So they get to do criminal, commercial, constitutional, human rights. So if you're someone that enjoys everything, then that's a really good place to put yourself into. Wow. I actually had no idea. Thank you so much. That was so insightful. Um, <laughs> But we're almost here just to wrap it up. I'm going to throw some quick five for the next five. So I have five kind of categories and I want you to rate them out of five. One being poor, terrible, not very good. And five, five out of five. So you can kind of think of like five stars. Okay. You ready? So we've got quality of tutors, lectures, academics. Um, At Monash, I would have to say a four from what I've heard from the other unis. (laughs) That's very biased. (laughs) Yep. No, of course. Workload. One, but that's going to be every unit. <laughs> yeah, I think that goes across. Like if you're doing law, like you said, those readings, those cases, you, you're going to be Hours. studying a lot. <laughs> All right, social life of your course. Um, I'd say probably three, um, but it also depends on you and how involved you make yourself. Definitely, that's so true. Uh, campus facilities. So I'm talking the classrooms, how comfortable, the lecture theatres, the libraries, the restaurants. Um, dessert places, crepe shops, I'm talking it all. Okay, so in terms of when I first started law, I would have said like a two for Monash. And there's like, you can't even get to the city easily. It's a nightmare. But they've gone through a lot of renovations and I got my driver's license. So I'm going to have to ramp it up to maybe a three. We got a schnitz recently. (gasps) I love schnitz. (laughs) Oh, that is my favorite. And lastly, how well your course prepares you for your career and to really just be a star, you know, in the future as a lawyer? I'd say Monash does a pretty good job. So maybe I'm leaning towards a four, four and a half, maybe. Awesome. Thank you. Now to wrap this all up, what is something that you wish you knew when you were in year 11 or year 12? Now this could be anything I'm talking school related, maybe life or anything. And I know you've already provided such great advice, but is there something lastly you want to let our listeners know? I think um, I think it's probably 
how much I've learned about myself and that what I wish I knew a lot earlier, because if you know what your weaknesses are, you can sort of work on them a lot earlier, but that's taken me like years to get through because I've always been a shy person. So I think, um, yeah, maybe that's probably life related. Cool. Thank you so, so, so much, Samira. This was very insightful. And I know for me, I know nothing about law or even like doing a double degree. Um, I learned so much and I know our listeners will as well. No, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. You know, when you work so hard, it's really nice to sort of feel a bit recognized and it's really exciting to sort of share the wisdom. Um, But um, I guess just one thing I would say to your listeners is don't be afraid to reach out to people um, and don't be afraid to sort of put yourself out there. Definitely. Do you give permission? I can link your LinkedIn if anyone wants to reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. I love speaking to people. So absolutely. Oh, amazing. All right. So what I'll do is I'll link your LinkedIn profile or your link in like our show notes and whatnot. Um, So if any of the listeners do have questions about Monash or about law or about even arts or the diploma of languages or, or anything, Samira is your girl. Go to her. She's so lovely. She'll answer all your questions. Thanks so much, Mia. <laughs> Anytime. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the dot student space now there is a full stop between the and student and just remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice thank you for all your support everyone see you later